Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Star Family Wisdom Podcast. I'm Jenna Layden, founder of Star Family Wisdom and a former global vice president for Whole Foods Market. It's so good to be here with you today. Thank you so much for joining us. If you are new, thanks for being here. If you're tuning in again, thanks for coming back. And don't forget, we're on YouTube. So if you're listening on the podcast apps, jump over there so you can see us. And don't forget to subscribe. Or if you're on the apps, rate and review, leave a comment. Let us know what's resonating for you. We are so enjoying connecting with all of you in the comments. And on this podcast, Sinead Wellahan and I share conversations and ideas and information that will inspire you and support you on this wild journey of being human. And Star Family Wisdom is a podcast community and online school for your spiritual and cosmic evolution. So it's our intention to bring you information that supports your journey. And we are very much on our journey of learning and unlearning and relearning. And we want to share that with you. So in today's episode, I'm going to be discussing a book review of Sarah Breskman Cosme's book, A Hypnotist's Journey to Atlantis. And in episode 19 of the podcast, we talked to Sarah, who is gaining a reputation as the new Dolores Cannon. So if you haven't seen episode 19, go check that out first before you watch this. Sarah earned her bachelor's in psychology at Northeastern University in Boston, Massachusetts. And after graduation, she worked as a counselor in a halfway house for the mentally ill. And convinced of the ineffectiveness of this practice, Sarah left the medical world to become a new kind of healer. And Sarah says, I saw firsthand how the conventional treatment of the mentally ill with medication and talk therapy was not always effective, and I wished there was something more that I could offer my clients. So Sarah is now a quantum healing hypnosis technique level three practitioner, QHHT for short, having trained under Dolores Cannon's daughter, Julia Cannon, as well as Dr. Brian Weiss, the author of Many Lives, Many Masters. And in episode 19, we talked to Sarah about her journey and the experiences that led her to the work that she does today and how her personal perspective shifted from the traditional to the alternative. She talks about the reality of past lives and the necessity of bringing them into conversations and practices around healing and trauma. And she brings a mindset and an attitude about holistic healing that really is at the front of human wellness today. And she also reveals how extraterrestrial or higher consciousness beings are working through her and her clients, revealing aspects of our humanity and our history that have been obscured from our view or maybe just lost throughout the ages. And in particular, Sarah's book, A Hypnotist's Journey to Atlantis, sheds light on our lost knowledge of the civilization of Atlantis. And while maybe once myth and folklore we're now gaining a much more holistic understanding of our human history, and we're gaining more and more evidence every day for the existence of Atlantis and previously advanced civilizations on our planet. So in today's episode, we're going to dive deeper into her findings and the lost story of Atlantis. So let's begin. 
So Sarah starts the book by talking about how she began her level three training in QHHT, which required having a subject who was willing to be recorded under hypnosis. This was part of the training program. And she also talks about how she was very careful to never broach the subject of spirituality or personal beliefs with a client just to ensure that she was not influencing them in any way. That's really important for this sort of practice. And in episode 19, Sarah even talks about how she never really had a spiritual background or belief system around this until encountering this work. So she finds a subject who's willing to be recorded and the subject's name is Jen. Jen has also written a book that you can check out and we'll link to it in the show notes here. Jen shares with Sarah that she's just been diagnosed with a brain condition called a pseudotumor cerebri, which I think I'm saying that correctly, is a condition where a brain tumor is filled with water and it's putting pressure on various parts of the brain. So Sarah shares that, you know, Jen's prognosis was grim and that the only medical treatment for Jen, Jen included heavy doses of pharmaceuticals and like many of us, we'd ra rather not go down that route if we can. So Jen was open to alternative treatments and was seeking that. And as a side note, there have been many, many cases of spontaneous healings during regression sessions. I've seen them. And for those who don't know my background, I was also a person with, without a spiritual background, an atheist who stumbled into this work and research around past life regression therapy years ago during my spiritual awakening. And I've also studied QHHT. I'm a certified hypnotherapist. I'm not a QHHT certified uh, practitioner, but I've also gone on to, to become a certified master energy medicine practitioner since finding my new path in life. So it's important to me that I learn firsthand and am trained in some of these alternative modalities that we speak about on this podcast. And, and you can actually find many offerings on our website that help you step onto the path of self-healing and empowerment. So after my years of training, I can share that one reason people have spontaneous healings when accessing past life memories is because there is usually a lesson that is meant to be learned from a previous life. And sometimes the growth of our soul requires lessons to be learned over multiple lifetimes. And sometimes we carry over energetic imprints or subconscious connections from previous lives that are affecting our current life. And once that energetic imprint or that subconscious connection can be identified and resolved, physical healing will sometimes occur. And this is because we have an energy field that acts as an energetic blueprint for our lives. And the data or information or memories of our trauma and previous life issues lives in this energetic blueprint or our, our energy field. So this blueprint or our energy field holds the information about how our physical bodies are supposed to function and regenerate. And when the blueprint becomes distorted, for any reason that can have ramifications on our life experiences and on our physical health. So in Sarah's book, she goes on to reveal some of Jen's first regression experiences where she accessed a lifetime from a few decades ago in the seventies in New York city. And this was during a time when accessing past life memories or even talking about mystical experiences was frowned upon or 
in worst cases, demonized. And Jen begins reliving a memory of a life as a young girl who grew up in a troubled and violent family. Yet she found a support system with a friend of her mother's. And in this lifetime, this friend understood aspects of hypnosis and helped Jen, this other version of Jen, access other life memories as a way to escape the current life. So during this experience with her mother's friend as a young girl in the 70s in New York, she accesses past life memories of a long, long time ago where she was a queen of a very powerful group of people in the South Pacific. And this girl accessed memories of people who had ancient powers that had been handed down from generation to generation from an earlier civilization who came to colonize our planet. So this young girl remembers aspects of this society and how beautiful and fair and harmonious it was. And they even used crystals to communicate with ancient ancestors and to help their people stay healthy and to see the future. And we now know this civilization to be Lemuria, which was positioned in the Pacific Ocean. And these ancient lifetime memories included being taken prisoner by another advanced civilization, which Sarah later learns is the one and only Atlantis, which was a civilization positioned in the Atlantic Ocean. So in this lifetime in the 70s, this young girl begins telling people about these memories that she's accessed. And she recounts being committed to a mental institution so here we have a case of accessing a more recent past life memory where an even older past life memory was accessed through that one. So it's kind of a two in one. It's a little confusing, but unfortunately, you know, during this time, people who talked about these sorts of things publicly might be labeled as crazy. Or in this case, this young girl gets committed to a mental hospital and undergoes a lobotomy because back then it was believed that these sorts of things, demonic, crazy, whatever you want to call them, things that people were accessing and, and talking about could be wiped out through lobotomies. And they absolutely could because they were damaging, you know, this young girl's brain in horrific ways. So after her lobotomy, she realizes she can no longer access these memories. Like she has no memory of anything. And she realizes how hopeless and traumatic the rest of her life would be, so she ends it. So during Sarah's account of this regression, she begins asking Jen's subconscious or higher self, we'll use the term subconscious throughout this talk, why she was shown that life and what could be learned. So in the QHHT practition, the therapist can, after accessing past life memories, ask to speak directly to the higher self of the person because when you're in a really altered state of consciousness or a deep state of trance we can access information beyond ourselves and we can get more information about why things have happened the way they have so sarah asks to speak to jen's subconscious and the subconscious answers that she was not supposed to go down the same path in this lifetime and that the reason she's going through the regression now is to not only help the brain tumor, but to uncover what she has been hiding for hundreds of thousands of years and to help this knowledge resurface on our planet. 
So she's told that Jen is supposed to write a book and to help reveal this information to the world. And then Sarah asks the subconscious about the brain tumor and if it can alleviate Jen's brain tumor. And the subconscious answers that there's a lot of tension in the brain, but that the purpose of the brain tumor was to help Jen access alternative healing methods like regression so that this information would come forward. And then Sarah reports that in the months following the session, the brain swelling had subsided and vitality was coming back to Jen's body and mind and that she was even able to give birth to a healthy girl. So here we have a beautiful story of accessing past life memories to help alleviate and heal a physical issue. And during this session, Sarah realized that there was a lot more information to uncover and that she and Jen were meant to work together. So they begin meeting more frequently to begin accessing those memories of that ancient civilization and whatever could be learned from those ancient past lives. And Sarah expects the next session to immediately take Jen back to the ancient civilization of Lemuria, which she had started to access some memories of in that first session but they were both surprised by the fact that Jen was taken further back to a time when she was a commander of an extraterrestrial ship coming to Earth for the first time. And as a side note, if you have not read Dolores Cannon's book, The Legend of Star Crash, that book also recounts a past life regression where we learn of an ancient crash landing on Earth by a Pleiadian ship and the beginning of interbreeding between humans and ETs. So long story short, this ET civilization realizes that their resources are being depleted and that, and specifically they use a type of red crystal that is found in various solar systems. So as their resources are dwindling, they begin the long arduous journey out into space to look for additional resources. Yet as a caravan of ships is approaching Earth, a disaster happens and the ships crash land into earth, multiple ones. And after a period of time processing what has happened, the commander realizes that the mission to come to earth to seek out these other resources actually was intended to end in a crash landing and that this would be a colonization experiment that they were meant to complete and that there was actually never intention of returning home. So for this civilization to survive, they finally realized they must venture out to other worlds and begin the process of adapting to new climates and building new colonies. So the crew of this ship is in rather dire straits. You know, Jen is starting to relive this memory as the commander of this ship and they've lost everything underwater where the ship crashed and their only hope of survival is to live with the primate-like human beings who are living on planet Earth at the time. And without any real means of communication other than like hand gestures and pointing, the commander of the ship successfully mates with one of the humans and begins to produce offspring knowing that that's the mission, you know, for, for their people to live on that's what they were going to have to do. Yet one of the members of the crew is really distraught and just completely unwilling to lead this new life. So he returns to the ship and attempts to retrieve what remaining red crystals have survived the journey. Remember, 
These red crystals are apparently incredibly power, powerful and they have the potential to generate lots of energetic power for the owner or the users of the crystal. So remembering back to that lifetime that Jen was vaguely remembering through the lifetime in the 70s, it included that South Pacific civilization using these red crystals to maintain their powers. So here the crystals surface again. So the distraught member of the crew decides to defect with most of the red crystals, leaving the rest of the crew to live with the humans in this one spot on Earth. And at this point in the story, we are introduced to the idea of chasms. And apparently with the technology he retrieved from the, the ship, he was able to open a type of energy chasm or maybe better put like a wormhole or a portal through which he could travel. And the chasm is described as a type of elevator that transports you to different places on the planet. Yet when you enter the chasm, you don't know exactly where you'll end up. <laughs> so you have to be careful when you go in the chasm. As a side note, there are reports of indigenous elders on our planet being aware of wormhole or portal sites and they are kept secret for a reason, clearly. So this guy from the crew defects and jumps into a chasm and he finds himself on an island with another group of primate-like humans. And unfortunately, this is where the story takes a little bit of a dark turn. This crew member uses the red crystals he took with him to begin building a civilization, yet he takes on a type of psychotic attitude and he turns the humans into his slaves and he forces them to build his civilization and he ultimately becomes the leader of a new civilization called Atlantis. So as Jen is recounting these memories, she talks about how this man, you know, and his recruits, his human recruits begin playing mad scientist and they're focusing on building their civilization around power and authoritarian rule and that this leader of Atlantis believed that power should be isolated and that ultimately he hands the power down to another ruler who just continued the same structure throughout the course of that civilization. However, we're brought back to the content, uh, continent of Lemuria where Jen finds herself as a princess named Kala under a queen living in a beautifully harmonious nature-based society and she recounts how the origins of the Lemurian people comes from love and the idea of equality between all people and that they intended to fulfill the mission they came to earth to fulfill which was to create another loving and enlightened civilization like the one that they came from Apparently, this guy who started Atlantis was just a, a bad egg in the crew. And after the first few regression stories that were accessed by Jen, Sarah begins sharing some other accounts of the same place, the same civilization, the same type of people through other clients. And all of a sudden, almost all of Sarah's clients were accessing memories of Lemuria. It was like she was being guided to this information. And during the lifetime as Kala in Lemuria, Jen shares that many of the structures and buildings in the civilization of Lemuria were built by the extraterrestrials who landed here and their descendants using the technology that they had from the ship. And she says within the first five to 600 years after their arrival, all of the structures were built. 
And Jen goes on to share a prophecy that was circulating around the civilization of Lemuria, one that was about two sisters who are separated at birth, uniting at some point in the future. And it ultimately tells about the possibility of Lemuria and Atlantis reuniting into one harmonious civilization. So the people of Lemuria were always anticipating this possibility. And she shares about how the ruling bloodline in Lemuria was always centered around women leaders and that the ruling bloodline descended from the extraterrestrial ancestry and they called it the gift of the stars. And she refers to it as the RH negative bloodline. I just got chills as I said that. I love telling you guys when that happens. And apparently it goes all the way back to that one commander of the ship interbreeding with humans, introducing the RH negative bloodline onto the planet. So fast forward a bit in the book and we're introduced to a past life memory when visitors from Atlantis arrive on the continent of, of Lemuria. And at first the Atlantean visitors seem nice and friendly they start speaking of the prophecy and how it's their destiny to reunite with Lemuria. So the Lemurians are thinking, yes, the time has finally come. It's happening. The prophecy is coming true. And they also said they were experiencing an unknown virus in Atlantis and they were looking to Lemuria for help. So at this point, Princess Kala, as Jen is remembering this, feels like something is off. She doesn't trust the Atlanteans. And after a while, there was a suspicion that the Atlanteans might want the red crystals that the Lemurian civilization had from the ancient crash landing. So long story short, after a few visits, the Atlanteans stopped being so civil and they started making their true motives known. And apparently Atlantis had begun to lose some of its power at this point. They, they only had one red crystal left. So the red crystals had separated into these two civilizations and throughout the generations, they had lost their ability to spiritually communicate with ancestors and with the higher dimensions. And I assume this is because of their rather dark and materialistic motivations. We know when we go down a materialistic path and we lose our spiritual connection, we do indeed lose our ability to access our spiritual powers and our ability to communicate with the other side. And because of their dark motives, they are determined to use force against the civilization of Lemuria to get what they want. And unfortunately, Kala's mother, the queen, is killed and Kala immediately becomes queen. And within weeks of this incident, the Atlantean leaders do the unthinkable. After recognizing that the Lemurians would not give them their crystals, the Atlanteans use their remaining power to create a giant tidal wave that completely destroys Lemuria and they take Kala captive for the intention of trying to find where they hid the crystals in Lemuria. So she ends up living out the rest of her days in Atlantis, witnessing the materialistic tendencies of this civilization. And Kala's desire is to do the right thing and prevent the Atlanteans from ever finding the crystals. So through the story, we learn about how strong Kala is and she's tortured and held hostage 
by the Atlanteans until the end of her life for this. And, but she knew only bad things would come from the Atlantean leaders holding more power. She saw their true colors and she made it her life mission to protect the ancient knowledge and the ancient technology to keep it a secret from them. And Jen describes, I'm getting chills all over again. <laughs> Jen describes Atlantis as being a ringed city similar to other ancient accounts that have been passed down through the ages. She describes that the wealthiest, more highly educated people were the ones living in the inner ring of the city where the buildings were more advanced and they had access to all of life's finery. And the second ring of the city was more middle-class people. And then the third ring of the city were considered to be like the workforce and in some cases slaves. So, you know, Atlantis started with one guy taking slaves of humans to create this civilization and that structure just continued on, unfortunately. She describes this type of class-based society as being very unfair and in some cases quite dark because of this structure. And she also describes the belief system of this civilization being centered around a scientific school of thought rather than the spiritual school of thought like in Lemuria. And, you know, I find it so fascinating how throughout this account we're being presented with two very different options for how a society can evolve and function. One that is more spiritual and earth-based in nature, and one that is more scientific and materialistic-based. And we're being presented this image of a very loving, harmonious, beautiful lifestyle in the civilization of Lemuria, Whereas we're presented with this image of a greedy, competitive, and ultimately less fulfilling lifestyle in Atlantis. So two very different choices, two very different outcomes. And perhaps our world could learn from this lost history. So Sarah goes on to share her own regression story in the book, which is fascinating. And you can hear her speak about this in episode 19. She speaks about how she accessed a previous lifetime in Atlantis where she was a judge. And in this lifetime, she was assigned to make decisions about the outcome of certain people's lives. So again, some dark things going on here in Atlantis. Apparently when Atlantis was beginning to experience their downfall, the virus that plagued the society resulted in some experimental vaccinations and the vaccines accidentally led to animal genetics being introduced into the human DNA and over multiple generations, some of the children being born were deformed or in some cases displaying animalistic qualities and features. So Sarah's role as a judge during the time of Atlantis was to help decide which of these people were to remain in the civilization of Atlantis versus which people were to be removed and sent to a neighboring island. So We'll end this story by touching on the location of the island in question. Sarah speaks about how she lives in the Florida Keys today. We talked about that in episode 19 and how this regression session that led to the uncovering of this information happened in the Florida Keys. The practitioner she was with came to the Florida Keys to be with her. And apparently what was uncovered in this session directly relates to the location of her home because the island where the deformed or affected people were taken would have been located near the Florida Keys. So while Sarah has been 
uncovering incredible information through the sessions with her clients, she also was beginning to access some of her own past life memories under regression. And through all of these sessions, Sarah was able to piece together this story, this fantastic story of our ancient history and the role that extraterrestrial hybridization has played in our evolution. And in episode 19, Sarah even says, I'm just a regular person. She says she wasn't into any of this before she started QHHT work. And even since then, she hasn't really researched or studied this information outside of the details that she has been given in her client sessions. And I can say, after reading all of Dolores Cannon's books, it's clear that the extraterrestrial and higher intelligences that worked with Dolores are now working with Sarah to continue the mission. And I say mission because it's my understanding that many of us are here to help uncover lost knowledge and connect the dots on our ancient past to help inform our future. And the extraterrestrial mission or agenda on Earth at this time is to help humans remember what we've forgotten so we can avoid history repeating itself and so we can heal the karma that our civilization has accumulated. And it's clear how our very ancient past still informs our present. And until we understand the origins of some of our dysfunction, we can't heal from that. And on Earth today, I just got chills again, on Earth today, we still have two approaches, right? One that is in support of holistic natural living and one that is in support of scientific and materialistic gain at all costs. So while humans have past lives and accumulated karma to resolve, so do civilizations. And perhaps we're being given an opportunity to learn from our past so we can choose a different outcome this time. So we'll close this with saying that it's Sarah's understanding that millions of souls on earth today are here to help heal karma from our ancient past. And many of you watching have likely had lives in Atlantis or Lemuria. And while we can't change the world individually, collectively, we certainly can. But you know, it starts with each one of us. It starts with us understanding the role that we're playing in our advancing materialistic and scientific agendas on earth and whether that's at the cost of something greater and it starts with us remembering our spirit and the journey of our soul and choosing to break old patterns and it starts with us digging deep in our healing journeys to understand why aspects of our our current civilization are so triggering for us and as we identify those triggers, it's our job to transform them into spiritual power. So we can choose to learn from and let go of the past, and we can choose to forge a different path, first starting with ourselves and then with our friends and family and then out into our communities in the world. And it's my understanding that this is our path to ascension. That ascension isn't something that just magically happens overnight, but it's something that happens with the growth and the evolution of our souls from lifetime to lifetime. And in shamanic practice, we say that we can reach into the past and heal it to inform our future, and that we can reach into the future to connect with a higher destiny to inform the now. So let's do that collectively through this work and through our own healing processes. 
And I'll stop here and won't share the rest of the book. So you have some surprises to look forward to. And if you feel called to receive a regression or access past life memories for healing, please look for Sarah's information in our show notes. You can also find a directory of QHHT practitioners in the show notes as well. And if you're interested in utilizing other techniques to shift energy and heal the past and connect to a higher destiny, please check out our Masters of Manifestation course. In this course, you get access to tons of information about how our quantum reality works, how to shift and change energy and the neural networks in our brains to begin experiencing a different version of reality. And you'll gain access to all of the tools and practices and information that I've used to shift energy and begin manifesting a different version of my reality. At Star Family Wisdom, we're passionate about helping you become a conscious creator of your reality. Manifestation is absolutely a real thing, but you need the right tools and practices to become a master of manifestation. That's why we've curated a selection of tools that will help you step into your power and harness the creative energy of the universe. Grab our Masters of Manifestation journal to begin the process of writing your intentions into existence, or use our 400 affirmations and mantras and hypnosis recordings to reprogram your mind for success and abundance. And in our Masters of Manifestation course, you get access to over 25 video lessons along with a full toolkit that includes meditations, affirmations, a life vision workbook, a downloadable manifestation journal, limiting beliefs exercises, and quantum journeys to help you connect with your soul. And to help you get started, follow the links in the show notes to access the Masters of Manifestation course or any of our other manifestation tools and use the code WELCOME at checkout to receive 25% off your first purchase. And if you haven't checked it out yet, definitely go to episode 19 where Sinead Wellahan and I interview Sarah about her work and her journey and what it's been like accessing all of this incredible lost knowledge from the stars. And as always, don't forget to subscribe so you get notified when new episodes land. And thank you so much for joining us on this journey as we uncover lost knowledge from the stars. We've got more coming and we're so excited to to be on this journey with you. So I'll see you next time and bye for now.